0: The Devil Pulls the Strings by J.W. Zarek Narrated by Kurt Bonham Chapter 37 Dragons and Nymphs HQ I walk up Central Park West, heading to the Dragons and Nymphs headquarters located at 1 West 96th Street. I search for the most ominous structure that would house an evil blood-drinking cult. But my gaze keeps landing on a non-ominous, ordinary-looking church, an unassuming white granite building with a steeple. complemented by the glorious day, sunny with a bright azure-blue sky and random songbirds engaged in their sonata tweets, nothing appears ominous. I inhale and whiskey-scented words barrel over my shoulder. Mister, can you spare a dollar? I turn, and I'm face-to-face with the same gruff, one-toothed grin I met outside the Port Authority bus terminal when I first arrived in New York. I'm still thrown by his breath. I paw at the mild burning sensation around my eyes. What are you doing here? I tilt my head away to suck in fresh air. You were outside the bus terminal, and now you're here? Why? Fewer folks on this street ask for handouts. How come? He points across the street to the church, which, according to the address, must be the Dragons and Nymphs' headquarters. A slight queasiness fills my belly. And that ain't no normal church. His balance isn't right, and he grabs my jacket to steady himself. "'Folks go in looking for a handout and don't ever come out.' "'His weight shifts back. "'I catch him from a tumble backward. "'Damn bloodsuckers!' "'His feet shuffle. "'Are you going to give me a dollar?' "'He holds open a palm, looks around uneasily. "'I hand him a dollar. "'Anything else you can tell me about that church?' "'I wave another dollar. "'His grin grows.' He points to the church's roofline. Watch your back around those stone statues. I swear they move. A row of stone gargoyles dot the roofline. A nervous twitch fires and adds to the queasiness in my gut. I give him the other dollar. Thanks, mister. He wobbles away down the sidewalk. I cross the corner and step onto the curb. Corrosive, sulfuric odors fill my nostrils, and the skies overhead turn gallows gloomy gray. Ugh, what's that smell? I cover my mouth and nose. My gaze follows thorny brambles intertwined with invasive ivies and hemlock, which run up the sides of the building. At the roof line, the creatures carved in stone are distinct, discernible chimeras, grotesques, gargoyles, demonic figures. All of them sport fangs, horns, claws, and tails. I, holy heck. The more I stare at the statues, the greater the sense of despair runs through me. My stare stays stuck on one odd demonic dog statue. Baba Yaga's voice fires in my head. I can imagine she'd say... It's sharp, pointy tail, perfect for poking and stabbing you through your heart, dearie. The live brambles wrap around the statues. But that odd dog statue is so much more demon than canine. Its ferocious fangs, bat ears, wings, gargoyle green mottled body, and its eyes ooze anger and rage which drills a chill through my bones. Get a grip. It's a statue. I step off the curb backward into the street, and the brambles disappear. The church looks ordinary again, an unassuming dull white granite with a steeple on top. I step up onto the curb, take three steps forward, and the church transforms back into gloomy gallows gray and brambles galore. I shift back and forth between views. Anyone would think I'm doing some spastic dance. I stop the back and forth and force myself to walk up the church steps to the massive double doors. Another tug in my gut. My gaze pops back to the demonic statue. Its stare burns through me. Did its head just move? My mind rotates through an imaginary series of this statue in motion. It smacks its lips. It opens and closes its mouth. Its forked tongue flickers between sharp fangs. And then, it leaves its perch, climbing down the wall. Sweat beads across my forehead. I rub my face and eyes and look back at the statue. It's once again in its original position, unmoving. A nervous chuckle crashes against my exhalation. I reach for a door handle and the door opens before I grasp the handle. A cloaked figure stands in the doorway's shadow. A tingle ripples at the back of my neck. Where the figure's face should be, there is nothing but darkness. To suspend that confession, Fide, the faceless figure asks. I don't hear the actual words. I don't believe he speaks. I just hear the words in my head. The words are Latin. I'm glad I paid attention as a choir boy. No, I don't give up my beliefs, I say. Ponte credendi. You may pass. The words again in my head, not spoken. The doors open wide, and I enter. I step past the cloak guy, turn to thank him, but he's gone. My skin goes cold and the queasiness returns and swims in my stomach. The door shuts. A different cloaked figure appears on the other side of the room, standing in front of an enormous granite desk halfway back in the mausoleum-like room. My eyes adjust to the dim interior lighting. Why is this place so dim? I walk toward the desk. The figure lowers his cloak from his head. He's about my height, thin, pale, olive-skinned, silver hair, and his cloak is open enough to make out the edge of a black and red vintage steampunk jacket, motorcycle leather pants. The tips of his boots are polished to perfection. He leans back on a black cane. Nice look, I say. He stands unmoving. He reminds me of those statue performers I passed in Central Park. Welcome to the Dragons and Nymphs Society headquarters. How may I help you? The man says. I'm here to meet Mr. Alabaster Graves. The man appears at my side, his breath against my ear. What business do you have with Mr. Graves? His voice is low, smooth, oozes fear-flavored creepiness plus ten. I extend my hand. Call me Boone. The man's gaze and disdain land on my outstretched hand. Mr. Boone Daniels, is this correct? The tone in his voice carries even greater disdain. Instant loathing wells in my chest. Are you Mr. Graves? The man closes his eyes. I am Alabaster Graves. We do not shake hands here, Mr. Daniels. He bows a smidge. I pull my hand back and return his bow. Do you have Wikambi's books? Graves asks. Yes, sir. I have the professor's books in exchange for vellum. May I see the books? I open the pack, reach inside, and stop. Do you have the amount of vellum agreed to for this collection? No specific number of sheets were agreed to. His inhalation is harsh, his eyes focused on McCambi's pack. Show me the books so I may give you the vellum, so you may leave. I open the pack and hand graves a book from McCambi. He accepts the book, looks at the cover. Oh yes. Spectacular, mister Daniels. Now, would you like a tour of our society headquarters? I sense a trap, but act cool. I would like that very much, sir. His stiff posture relaxes. Right after I honor Wakambi's instructions and trade you for vellum. And then I have to play at the Dragons and Nymphs charity ball tonight. But I can come back another time for a tour. I'm hoping my words are casual enough he'll just move on to the trade. Graves curls his fingers into a fist. His sour scowl deepens and his lips curdle. Your tour shall be quick, and I have such a pleasant surprise for you. You're most kind, Mr. Graves. Even so, I'll take a rain check. If I go deeper into this bizarre church, the chances of me coming out alive go down. I tighten my grip around Rizzo's backpack strap. You know how the professor is. I don't want to upset him by keeping him waiting. I insist. The tour won't take long. His tone is sharp. He steps closer. I step back, reach into my pocket, and open the bottle of oil. A few drops fall into the cup of my palm. I rub it over my head, neck, and chest. Verbena officinalis, Graves rages and lunges at me. My hand instinctively draws Duma's sword. Graves stops, the sword tip at his throat. My heart booms. A vein in my neck thrums. Graves' gaze shifts to over my shoulder. Could be a trick, but I smell the acrid scent of danger behind me. I keep my sword raised and spin around. A hideous demonic canine gargoyle leaps from my throat. I twist and lean sideways. The beast is fast, but Duma's sword is faster. A surge of energy floods to my hands, and Duma's sword counters the beast's trajectory. The beast lands on the sword. Impaled, the creature shrieks, wails, then blasts a ferocious scream and crumples onto the marble tiles. It struggles and writhes in pain. Heat and steam escapes from the beast's body. I suck in air, deep and hard, and lean my weight into the sword, which slices through the beast's body. The beast roars in pain, its long claws grasp at air. It takes a staggered breath. Red eyes blaze, then fade. I pull back my sword and point it at Graves. I'm sorry your pet is dead, but like I said, your tour will have to wait. Graves holds up his hands. Mr. Daniels, you have us all wrong. The chupacabras that attacked you is a sentry guard doing its job. It only attacked you because your intentions are not pure. Trading Wakambi's books is a ruse. So what? You want the books, I want the vellum. An even trade. Your chupacabra guard dog statue thing attacked me. I can't trust you, so the deal's off. Graves' face is full of anger, his grin hungry. You killed our chupacabra by luck or skill, it matters not. However, you still want sheets of vellum, correct? Graves takes a step closer, and I clench the sword hilt tighter. You would be dead if we wanted you dead. But I'm not dead, and we're still talking. So you must want something. If not the books... Then what? I ask. You humans are too predictable. Everyone wants something from this upcoming ritual, Graves says. Wicambi wants to stop Paganini's music from summoning the devil. Cynthia intends to follow the ritual through. And what about you, Mr. Daniels? What's in it for you? Be world famous? Reach beyond your wildest dreams? Bring your parents back? In truth, I'm here to keep a promise to a friend. You're not working for Cinti. Keeping my promise to my friend also means I keep another promise I made to Baba Yaga and others that I would stop Sinti. So no, I don't work for Sinti. Heat rises into my chest, through my voice, and fills my words. Graves locks his gaze on me. There's one more promise you shall make. And keep to me. And why would I make a promise to you? How about to save the ones you call Sapphire and Rizos? Grave's tone and face are void of any emotion. If you harm them, I'll make sure it's the last thing you do. I nudged the sword closer to his Adam's apple. Your threats are idle here. However, the trade shall be done. I shall give you Paganini's vellum, and in exchange, you shall perform the ritual. You want me to summon the devil too? Puzzles and more puzzles upon puzzles with these secret societies. You shall summon the devil and further our cause. I pull the sword back and rest the blade on my shoulder. And what is your cause? You... Shall bring back Ambrosio, the Father, Our prophecy foretells this. Graves' voice and the glimmer in his eyes is full of his own conceit. Your arrogance is incredible. How am I supposed to bring back your Father, Ambrosio? Graves opens his arms wide. You'll perform the ritual, but instead of completing it per Wicambi or Cinti's instructions, You'll follow my instructions. You'll double-cross Wicambi and Rizos to save the lives of your loved ones. Sapphire, your aunt, your cousin. And what if I kill you now and take the vellum? Do you know where the vellum is in our headquarters? No, but how hard can it be to find in a creepy church? There are many levels and many more catacombs beneath this church. And you do not have the luxury to search and fight your way through every space. Graves says this, like he's said it a thousand times or more. I stare at Graves, and he stares back. Damn you, Graves. But after this is over, I'm coming back. We shall meet again. He bows slightly. But for now, let's seal our deal. Graves pulls a long, black-handled, jewel-encrusted athame from inside his jacket. So you mean to fight with that blade? I raise the tip of Duma's sword to his heart. No, we both shall draw blood. We deal in unbreakable blood oaths within the dragons and nymph society. Graves cuts the inside of his palm and blood oozes from the cut. I sheathe my sword, but keep my hand on the hilt. I put my other hand in my pocket and wrap my fingers around a bottle of exploding verbena officinalis oil. What does this oath consist of? You complete the midnight ritual as agreed. But if you fail, your life's blood is forever forfeited to me, and I turn Sapphire Vivian and Lucas into Chupacabra chew toys. And what if you don't fulfill your end of the bargain? My blood is forever forfeited to you. Graves grabs my arm, pulls my hand from my pocket, and using the athame, breaks the top layer of skin in my palm, draws blood, and clasps our hands together, sticky palm to palm. Fire rips through my hand, runs up my arm, spreads like a thousand tattoo needles piercing. You won't lay a finger on Sapphire, Aunt Vivian, Lucas, or Rizos. A newfound determination plazes. Grave lifts his arm, and I spot movement. A brief blur. And the first cloaked figure from the doorway appears next to Grave's. Asima, be so kind as to retrieve vellum for Mr. Daniels. He has work to do before tonight's ritual. Asima dematerializes and I turn my attention on Graves. And what words do I use to bring back your All-Father? Once you complete the ritual, you utter this phrase three times. I summon thee, All-Father Ambrosio, to this time and place. His tone carries smug overtones and overconfidence. I summon thee, All-Father Ambrosio, to this time and place. Okay, got it. I open and close my hand. The sting from the cut burns, pulses, throbs. Do not fail us, lest you open the doorway to hell on earth. Don't worry, Graves. That's the last thing I want. And I always keep my word. Asima appears at Graves' side, a stack of vellum held between his fingers. Asema. Give Mr. Daniels the vellum. Mr. Graves motions a toward me. And Mr. Daniels, this conversation and agreement are just between us. You shall remain quiet about what transpired here. You are being watched. We shall know what you do and say. His voice carries the first sense of sincerity I'm able to detect. Books and vellum are exchanged. I secure my prize vellum in Wickamby's bag. We shall meet again once this is over. He pushes the edge of his coat to the side to reveal the hilt of his blade. Count on it, I say. Coming up next in The Devil Pulls the Strings by J.W. Zarek Chapter 38 Psychography